What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Heart Guide Media. We got a full fucking crew today. Fucking E.T., of course, the consummate co-host. B.T. and Sean making their appearance after uh, an extended absence. Sean off the grid in a fucking Hawaiian shirt. B.T. in a Rage Carry 2 hat. It you know, I was like... on the uh, I don't know, uh, Fast Time podcast. That's true. Well, I'll tell you what. It feels good to have us all here together. Look at this. It's like, it's like we're friends again. And we are celebrating Summer Camp Slashers. And the first one on the docket is 1981's The Burning. Written by Harvey Weinstein. Hell yeah. Go figure. Do you think he was? Well, get into it. We'll get into it. Anyway, gentlemen, how goes it? Excited to be here. Happy to be here with everyone. It's always fun when we can all get together for the for these. Now, the real question is for Monster Mania weekend, what are we gonna do to a commentary on? Because I feel like we gotta do a commentary. Up to you guys, I'm down for anything. That's a good question. I don't know. We'll have to think on that. Um, not, not final exam. It's no, fatal exam well, that you're thinking of. Fatal exam. Uh, um. Well, anyway, spit it out. Here we are. Talk about the burning. Now, this is a, a seminal slasher. Maybe not in namesake known to the. I I don't want to say mainstream, but like horror fans know it, and I feel like it's gotten over the last ten to fifteen years. It's getting more and more and more recognition, and people who are re- true blue horror fans are know this movie. But there definitely is like, and this isn't to throw shade on people who don't aren't like uh, deep divists, I guess, on uh, some slasher movies. But this is a very seminal slasher movie. I mean, 80 and 81 were seminal years for slasher movies. 81 alone, like we have Madman, we have this fucking My Bloody Valentine. Um, All thanks in part, obviously, to 1978's Halloween from John Carpenter. And even before that, you could say Bob Clark's Black Christmas. Um, but you know, the real the the those were that was maybe some uh Kinlan wood, but without a doubt, Friday the 13th was the was the match that set the slasher world ablaze in the early 80s, right? Yeah, of course. And kicked off like this, and you know, Savini ends up turning down part two of Friday the 13th to direct this, which I think in hindsight, I, I love Friday the 13th part two so much. And I love the effects of that, but I'm also pumped that Savini did this because I think there's amazing effects in this. And this one holds up pretty well. I mean, I guess we'll bust into it. We'll do a roundy, roundy Robin here. Um, when did everyone first see this film? I saw this uh, probably around circa 2006, 2007. When I bought off of uh, Amazon, nice. I was there. I was there with Sean. I watched it with Sean. We got got Little Caesars that day and skipped school. Yes. Nice. (laughs) What about you, Eric? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I probably watched it in my early teens as well. Uh, I'd imagine with some friends. I can't remember the first time I ever saw it. I'd imagine me and BT watched it at some point as well. But Mm -hmm. um, so probably early teens. Yeah, I mean. Mid, 
mid to early teens. Yeah, I uh, I was so if Brian and Sean saw it in like so six oh seven, I probably didn't see it until like I don't know oh oh eight maybe because I remember hanging out with Sean and Brian Brian towards the end of like one summer and us watching this and getting it getting thrown on. So I want to say. And my memory, you guys know my memory is pretty fucking good. I'm great with dates. That's one that's one tip of my cap I'll always give myself. But uh so I want to say it was like like summer 08, maybe I saw this. Late summer, early fall 08, Sean and Brian. I remember you guys telling me about it and we threw it on and I watched it with you guys. So it, this isn't yeah. one I grew up with, like the Friday the 13th films, or even like to 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 a same but lesser degree my bloody valentine like i remember watching that movie several times as a kid and not knowing what it was called until like you know i was 12 13 14 and like oh shit that's name right uh but this one i i was not on my radar at all um definitely heard about it but never really paid any mind and watched it with sean and brian 2008 ish i think with like a lot of horror fans um usually and i'm not saying this is like this for everyone but you kind of when you're first getting into horror there's like a a film or two that you see that really kind of sparks your interest and then usually you start off with like the heavy hitters you know what i mean right, like right, the, exactly. the real seminal and then, and then you dig deeper and deeper and this is definitely you know i think one of those films as well where you know you're watching some of the seminal films and then you kind of get deeper into the slasher and you realize there's like this whole uh, there's this whole assortment of, of really awesome slasher movies that kind of have the same, you know, vibe to them. Like there's really, you know, there's not a lot of different things happening, but they all have their own backstory and really cool killer and usually really cool, you know, special effects or, or mask that go with that killer. Um, and this is one of the, like you said, like seminal ones in that, in that group. Yeah, without a doubt. And like you said, it was, this is, this isn't one of those forefront, slasher movies like you know a nightmare on elm street sequel or friday 13th sequel or even something my buddy like my bloody valentine my, my bloody valentine i think probably has a little bit bigger of a fan base but this one definitely has grown a fan base over time you know picking up you know the likes of our ugly asses on the way fucking while well, it's rolling down the fucking the gathering hill but uh regardless you know this is a you know we got savini on effects like he is the godfather of splatter. I mean, he really is like anything of relevance in the eighties. He pretty much had his hands on. And if he didn't like someone, someone sick also was involved, but Savini, I feel like just, he's got, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like having house of the holies and back in black. You made both those albums. like that. <laughs> For sure. But, you know, this uh, comes out 81. So, you know, the craze is is all, you know, it, it's in full, you know, full tilt. But this has interesting characters in it um, and actors. We see a young Jason Alexander playing Dave. Motherfucker right. got real hair on top, seemingly. Um, he, he, he looks strapping, you know. It's yeah, different than his, uh, his character, his George Costanza character. It's like uh, he's like kind of the shorter uh, goofy chubby guy but he has like much of a kind of a jockish like the nice jock yeah yeah. uh character in this in this movie what uh speaking of that before i'm gonna let bt give us a synopsis of the film because he's he's uh eloquent with words but what was up with generic like sports jerseys in movies 
in what do you mean like the like base, like, like, like the baseball like, tees? yeah or? like the three four i feel like the 80s was filled with like the three force t-shirts with a random number on it that has no rhyme or reason i don't know but i do love the baseball tees i mean i i'm a fan of them i don't own many of them but i love them and you are right they're like they're in like the 70s 80s there's so many of them big time big time uh yeah so we got i mean just rattling off some of the notable cast members here we got fucking brian backer of come on come on police academy citizens on patrol <laughs> fucking of course movie we just covered and for legacy week fast times at ridgemont high plays rat um right. we got leah Ares, iris iris yeah Ares. i don't well, she was in Bloodsport. That's the only thing that you need. To yeah, know. the the love interest <laughs> slash reporter in Bloodsport. So, so which and, which is great. She's a fucking bitch in the burning. Yeah, I've never. She does kind of suck. I never. Well, she's liked just her. like the yeah. Well, she's like the older. Uh, you know, she's really trying to be on top of things. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I I typically like the uh the strong, the strong woman in the slasher movie, but I don't. She she's a bitch. <laughs> I like it. It's not Leah Ayers or whatever. I, you know, she's a good actress. Michelle is a bitch. So this sure. this director Tony Maylam, he didn't really mm-hmm. do much. Um, he did some stuff, but nothing. This is definitely his most notable work. Um, but Harvey Weinstein credited as original story slash created by. I tell you what, you can you really pick up on the Harvey Weinstein vibes oh. in a couple seasons. <laughs> I think he pretty much was just the, like, the, "All right, I'm the cool guy. I'm Glazier." Yeah. Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, when I was rewatching this for the podcast, yeah, like when I saw his name pop up and there's that random shot, uh, shower scene with that female, I'm like, "Of course." I thought, well, I think, yeah, but the '80s were all like that. We can't throw it all on Harv Dog, that piece of no. shit. Yeah. But I do think that his first. The first like seed for the burning came from Harvey Weinstein had a vision of this young, virginal, beautiful woman coming out of the <laughs> lake and her clothes are missing. And she's like, shit, I got to find my clothes. Oh, my God. Somebody please help me. I can't find my clothes. And he's like, OK, how do I build a whole story around that? Yeah, and it's super true. The burning was born. But I, I mean, Jesse has a good point. A lot of the early 80s was like this. But I did notice a couple shots that were very like, and a lot of slash movies have this, but not all of them. Just very like, uh, what's the word? Gratuitous? Uh, gratuitous. Um, yeah, very like voyeuristic uh, on the women's bodies. But that's yeah. what people wanted back then, so... There's also like the really strong, like I don't want to use the R word, but like really where the 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 boy or the dude is putting a lot of just sexual pressure on on these girls, like oh, I like laser. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel yeah, like I, uh, I feel like now, and I don't know what I mean. Before, like I said, we're gonna let Brian give us a whole rundown synopsis of the film, but I I really do. It's it's interesting to try to decide where the line was walked with these earlier films because have people changed or have the times changed? I think it's a little bit of both because I feel like most of the time, if you were like <laughs> like in movies, especially in the 80s, they paint guys as so fucking horny that like, I just can't fucking take it. I can't control it. Like um, when I think, yeah. don't get me wrong, there's definitely a portion of like, uh, 
like co- college goers that are definitely like that that have like fucking some kind of weird fucking there's a bunch of pent up testosterone got to let it out yeah or they're they're secretly you know wanting to do their best friend you know that's a or Sean's all for it uh but but regardless do you think what do you guys think do you think this is you think it's partially like the time and now like i feel like it's not even more so like the I don't know. Maybe guys just it seemed like there was no shame back in the 80s. Like as far as like a a guy wanting to get some. I think it's just the times. Well, and I think like women are portrayed now just as horny as the men are. Whereas back then, (laughs) right, right. Men were always portrayed as horny. The women sometimes horny, but sometimes very like virginal and very scared of penises. Like Star Party Massacre. Now, sure. is it? But that's the thing, though. Is it like? I feel like you would be the guys would be shamed by like everyone now if you're like, "Come on, Sally, let me get it." Like, I mean, it's fucking, it's so goofy and over the top sometimes. I mean, it's this isn't as bad as Hard Bodies, but um. Yeah, it's definitely a lot. There's a lot of other films that are out there, much worse. Much but worse. yeah, I mean, it's just a it's, a, it's kind of a thing from the times, but also, also the way people are for sure. Like, I think that was like a a big topic in a lot of movies back then, not just horror movies. So, like um, Porky's and Animal well, House. And there's like, like I said, I think there's a, I think there's a fine line between like young male horniness and just being straight up rapey. And it's a line yeah, for sure. Completely be crossed, especially in the eighties. There is, there is. Uh, I also wanted a little change of topic, but I also wanted to bring up like uh, a couple other people in this movie. Like, there's so many people in this movie. Like, yeah. we're, I know you named a few, but like that that Fisher Stevens guy is in this. Like, he's been in so much stuff. Like, he was, he was in, in like, Super Mario Brothers. Dude, yeah, and like yeah. Hackers, and he's on the show Succession, which is really you know big now. And then. The dude who plays, like, I think it's Eddie, that dude, like, the Italian uh, dude. Like, he's in so much stuff, too. Like, really recognizable guy. So, there's actually, like, quite a few, like... Oh, big time, yeah. Like, you know, actors that went on to do a lot after after this. Obviously, yep. I'm sure this was a lot of their first, you know, early in their, their uh, career, so... Like, the yeah. guy who played Woodstock, he played in Short Circuit. He said Fisher's... Sean. Why? Sean, you're so precious. That's the His one who I'm is, talking about, Sean. His name is Fisher Stevens. I'm, Eric. I'm, I'm terrible with uh, the actors' names. Is it weird that I only know him really by being in the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yeah, he's he hilarious. Hackers, have like, ever seen Hackers too? He plays like the villain in Hackers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Can he's talk- got the two guys that the one guy that gets turned into the reptile. He's the guy that doesn't get turned into the reptile. The guy that gets turned in the reptile is the guy that took Ferris Bueller or Cameron Fry's dad's car. That guy's the man. Holly Hunter. What about Holly Hunter? She's on that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's in that scene there. She's just in that scene around the fire, right, though? Like, that's it? No, she's in a few scenes, but she's like kind of in the background most of the time. Yeah. Hold up, hot dog. All right, BT, give us the fucking rundown synopsis. For anybody that hasn't seen this film, and for whatever reason, I listen to our four dumbasses fucking talk about it. Um, give us a synopsis of what this film's all about. For people that haven't seen it? Yeah, like a really, uh, your best paragraph to two paragraph 
fucking IMDb fucking 2003 PT rundown. No, fuck that. If you haven't seen the movie, stop listening to the podcast. Go watch it. Well, well just give us something. No, say the fucking synopsis, okay. weird boy. Yeah. So, do we start in Camp Blackfoot? Yes. Okay. So we're in Camp Blackfoot. It's five years ago from 1981, and these like little piece of shit kids are gonna play a prank on this piece of shit janitor of the camp. Why is he a piece of shit? They were talking about it right in the beginning about how he's like beating up on kids and stuff. He was a groundskeeper. Or did I make that up? I don't remember. I don't know. They're they're all pieces of shit. They just said he was a creep. <laughs> yeah, he's a pervert. What's the first thing he did when he got out of the hospital? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's true. So he's yes, he's gross. They're gross. They, I mean, cut to the chase. They set him on fire. I mean, that wasn't their plan, but that's what happened. Because that's what happens when you put a lit candle in someone's bed, right? Yeah, but there was more to the lit candle. What else was there? There was a skull. <laughs> they were trying to scare him. Fucking disgusting. disgusting worms. What that... stupid what stupid piece of shit kids don't know though is that even if there's a worm, a skull, you put a lit candle in a guy's bed. You fucking idiot. <laughs> so he's on fire, and then something I never like really noticed is that when he's on fire, he also like rolls down a big hill. So yeah, he's on fire, he rolls down a hill. Did he roll into a lake? Yeah, throw himself out. Yeah, so that's how he's put out. And then he ends up in the hospital, and, like, this dude who's training... Well, okay, so the black guy is not a doctor, right? The guy. There's this one guy, and there's this other guy who's, like, he's just starting his, like, doctor career. And he's like, you gotta see this guy. If you wanna be a doctor, you gotta see Cropsey. And Cropsey grabs the guy's arm. Uh, you know, I could have skipped this whole scene. Cropsey gets out of the hospital, goes into the city, buys himself a prostitute. And then what he didn't think of is that she's not going to want to have sex with him because he's all burnt <laughs> and gross looking. He got that burnt dick. Yeah. And what he didn't realize that he realizes now is that he's capable of murder because his reaction when she's like, uh, just leave, she, he, he <laughs> fucking murders her. And rightfully so. You can't burn shame people. You can't. She could have been a little nicer about it, right? She did. Yeah, she was like very, very. She paid for it, so fuck her. Yeah, she's on the clock. Turn the lights back off, you idiot. So then he goes to Clamp, Clamp, Camp Stonewater, which I never realized until this watch. It's two different camps. You know, he doesn't go back to clamp. Well, it's the same. It's the same camp, though. They just changed the name, right? Like Crystal Lake turning into Camp Blood, bro. Turning into Camp Forest Green. Forest Green, yeah, true. Okay, well, always been Camp Blood. I missed that plot point. I don't know if I'm the best person to be telling the story, but anyway, (laughs) I like um, they're playing softball. Uh. Tiger is a fucking idiot, and she hits the ball into the woods. <laughs> That's a whole run, bro. <laughs> <laughs> then she's, like, trying to find the ball. That's when Cropsey shows up, but she doesn't notice him. And he almost kills her, but then she finds the ball and joins the game. 
So now we're introduced to all these new characters. You know what? They're pretty realistic, I think. That's one of the strengths of the movie. Realistic characters. And then he starts killing them off one by one. Alfred, he's kind of, he's on the spectrum, I think. Right? I mean, it, it seems it, right? Yeah, he's got some, like, I mean, I was fucked up as a kid. I was weird as a kid. I was socially <laughs> awkward, but I knew that, like, you don't make friends by sneaking into the girl's shower and staring at a naked chick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or he but was they, trying to get back at Glazer. Still, that's not the way to get back at Glazer. Didn't they, did they not try to paint Brian Backer's character uh, as, like, Cropsy, who was, like, he's being, like, he's being regarded as, like, this fucking creep weirdo. Yeah. Just an innocent yeah. circumstance. I think they kind of, in my opinion, on, like, just rewatching it too. I think they they kind of allude, they kind of like string you along with his character. Like you almost don't know. They can think he is he fucking cosplaying Cropsy and just fucking. Or like, is he gonna like work? Like, is he gonna like what Cropsy's doing and like want to be like his helper? You know, right? I mean? Like that. I think he's just on the spectrum, but I think you guys are also onto something. So yeah, he tries to scare uh, Sally. Uh, Glazer's pissed. Glazer's like the big like blonde dumb jock type. <laughs> um. Then you got your Daves, you got your Karens, you got your Eddies. You got there's this girl that kind of looks like Shannon Doherty, and I think she's fucking Dave. It's you know sort of yeah, glossed yeah. over. Um. So yeah, Cropsy just starts like killing people off. He's pissed. You know. Yeah, he's, he's out burnt. for he's out for he's he's burnt. He's out for vengeance. Not even and... a a low paid prostitute is gonna have sex with him. <laughs> so then. What are you going to do? I'm guessing, and I, because they don't really go into much detail, but he knew Todd was at this camp. It's like is, probably the only kid that he could track down. And he's like, well, perfect. He's at camp. Is is Cropsy's entire path, uh, ra- his p- rampage path, is it all based on sexual frustration? Because he can't get <laughs> I mean, you think I think a lot of early 80s slashers, that was sort of the thing, you know? If you think of, like, Maniac or Slumber Party Massacre or Halloween. Michael, Jason, they're pro- they're all sexually frustrated, probably. Even if that's not the main thing, it's a, at least part of it. I feel like Freddy isn't. Freddy is just, Freddy's getting it wherever he wants it, the sick freak. Yeah, but we don't want to talk about that. You know? Oh, yeah, because he's a, he's a pedo, technically. Watching little children and sheet. You know, the way I see Freddy is he's not a pedo. They left it out of the movie for a reason. Unless he watched the... be It's supposed to be insinuated, though. Wes always said that. It was supposed to be insinuated, but they didn't want to be over the top. and Which is smart now, and it was smart for Wes then because... Well, for New Line then, because New Line made a fucking... They're selling motherfucking Freddy pajamas. It probably wouldn't have went over well if they're like, hey, this guy's actually fucking... Um... A patter ass, but regardless, I you know what else Wes Craven said? What? what he said, Shut the fuck up, Jesse. Let's get back to the burn. <laughs> so, you know what? I don't even know what this movie is about, really. I I always pay attention, but they sure? um, they get in their canoes, they go <laughs> to the other side of the lake, mm-hmm. or is it an island? Yeah, well, they're trying to find the motherfucking lost canoes, bro. 
now. This is before the canoes yeah, are before lost. That, they're in the canoes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah true. True. They, 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 yeah, like they had the little like they had deliverance music going. Yeah, they're, they called. They're doing an overnight stay at a special part of the woods. Correct at Camp Micro Chippewa. Yeah, so that's where um, Eddie tries to. Eddie, Karen, the lake, the clothes, Karen's dead. Karen's missing. So. Well, why is she missing? Because she was killed, Eric. Well, that's what you should say that. Yes, but Jesse asked me to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I say like a fucking, like a two, two part synopsis. We're getting the fucking rundown. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got a good point. Cropsy kills a bunch of people, but other people survive. It's down to Todd, the one of the kids who burnt Cropsy as a kid, and Alfred, who's a little weirdo, but I think he's just undiagnosed. They survive. Cropsy is dead. The well, you should also talk about how they reveal that uh, the one guy yeah, there. But that you've explained enough now. <laughs> Can we talk about Glazer? Glazer being a piece of shit. One, oh, he sucks. He's completely like I asked for lubricated brothers. Like <laughs> I ain't paying for these. Is that like a it's supposed to be like a tri-state accent though, right? Yeah, definitely like a Jersey, like, or like, you know, like, yeah, definitely, for sure, like a New York City Jersey. Yeah, Same with Eddie, though. Eddie was, like, big, uh, Eddie was big time, like, Italian accent they had. Wait, their accents are still right? Are they, the actors doing accents? What? Are the accents real, or are the actors just doing accents? I don't know. That's a good question. I would say Glazers is probably real. He sounds like a real Trenton, New Jersey. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they both are. I think they're real. BT, though, explain how uh, you realize at the end that uh, the one uh, head guy, who's a a camp counselor there? Todd. Todd, it is revealed that he was one of the guys who burned Cropsy in the first place. Well, it's sort of sprinkled throughout the movie, right? Because when he's having his talk with Alfred, he mentions that he was kicked out of camp. As a kid, five right, years. and then later on, when he's when they're at the campfire, he tells the story of Cropsy, which, true. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you, Todd? You burnt a guy. <laughs> he's but I real just remorseful. They... He's real remorseful. He's spinning a fucking yarn <laughs> to the kids about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do allude to it throughout the flick, but that then at that scene though, like once you know they're face to face, they kind of show you exactly that it was him but and I his buddies. Yes, then I guess, yeah, if you didn't figure it out already, you know at the end, because Todd starts having his, his flashbacks. Right. This movie's and, pretty understated, actually. It doesn't... Can we talk about when, I'm sorry, but when Todd finds Karen's body, it's actually just Karen's death scene, and it's just sort of, like, cut out and then superimposed over a black background, and if you really look, you can see the tree in the background with some greenery. Do you guys notice that? They're cutting costs. You all what? They were cutting costs. They're doing what they could. I know. That's Weinstein's always doing that. I really liked the boat the boat scene massacre, the canoe scene massacre during the day. That was that's iconic to me. On the raft, you're saying? 
Yeah, on the wrap, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that uh like those shots of Cropsey like with the the bright background behind him and he's like all dark with the you know Loppers. the clippers. It's definitely that's an iconic scene from from that flick for sure. But like from, obviously from Woodstock getting the fucking fingers cut off and fucking the gash on the head on the one girl like uh it's just like uh I really like I think it like brought that portion of the movie to life i guess brought the movie to life having that in the like it wasn't like in the dark and like you weren't like oh yeah that's pretty good like it was cool that it was i like that it was a day scene like little yeah yeah massacre. also up leading up to that there's really not i mean you have crops you get burned at the beginning but there isn't there's i mean you have the the prostitute and you have the one girl that bt was talking about there denise or whatever her name is but you know beyond that there's really not a tremendous amount of like brutal stuff happening no, and then you like get, i said it's a, it's a very slow builder yeah it's a pretty understated movie i don't think they tried to do anything i think they really went with less is more and i think it worked yeah like there wasn't a lot of it but the scenes that there were like definitely were brutal for sure right i remember I was like uh out. glacier's that scene as well yeah for sure yeah, yeah. what'd you say it's pretty cool no i'm just saying i remember like a lot of these movies were still on VHS, and I would like read about the slasher movies from the early '80s uh, when I was like really getting into horror movies. And the rap scene from the burning was one I heard about or read about a lot online. Um, the burning itself was just like one of the slasher movies that was most talked about um, outside of the big franchises. I'd say the burning, My Bloody Valentine, and Black Christmas are probably the three most like popular slasher movies of that era that don't have like sequels oh for sure sure but anyway yeah i just remember like the rap scene is so iconic and i everyone was talking about it like way before the movie was even like released on dv right yeah yeah that's a it's what do you guys what do you think i mean this i mean i know when we did our top i think we did do we do top five or top ten slashers or wait, didn't we do top five without sequels? Didn't we do that? We, we top five slashers without sequels. I think it was a whole top ten. Of, yeah, um, and the, we I know we had stipulations for sure. Yeah, they could have sequels, but they were like the big franchises. Like they weren't like Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that because I'm not gonna lie. I don't even know if I could tell you what my the burning my was on a, a lot of our lists. I think. Uh, yeah, for I sure. know my number one was My Bloody Valentine. I'm pretty sure, but. I'm about to go back and listen to that one. Yeah, I honestly don't remember. The crazy thing about slasher movies, as you all know, since we watch a lot, there's just like the the genre within the genre, like obviously horror, and then the slasher within that. Like, there's so many great iconic movies. You know what I mean? Like, they they have a very particular like rhythm and like what's happening, and usually it's a revenge story and the the killer coming back to seek revenge on somebody that did them wrong usually but i'm saying like it's it's just it's it's really interesting like that we we talk about the burning being great and, and some of the other seminal films but there's so many that are like there's just so many good slashes i guess is what i'm saying like it's insane like you really sat down and just started listing slasher movies especially in like the 80s uh there's so many amazing flicks you know what i mean oh yeah i mean it's just I think once people started to see that there was that you could have some success on a really low budget and make it mildly successful, 
Um, I think people started doing it, and I think with the with Savini and uh, and Rick Baker and and all these guys and Botine and all these guys putting out these landmark effects, especially in eighty and eighty one. Obviously, eighty one with American Werewolf in London and The Howling, like two classic werewolf movies. Um, but when you started getting more effects like that in horror movies in the go from the seventies, but like really in those early eighties, especially with Savini with you know Dawn of the Dawn of the Dead in, in seventy eight, and then like Savini doing Friday the Thirteenth, and then you know all these other movies that he starts doing. I think people that's when like Fangoria subscribers really started ha- like seeing a boom and like people really became obsessed with the process and started loving the, the making of the slashers and these monster movies and these horror movies. And I think more people started getting into it. You saw, you know, Everett Burrill, Steve Johnson, like all these art, uh, Andy Gardner, not Andy Gardner, fucking what's his, what's that guy's name? Um, Gardner, Gardner, Gardner. He did child, some of the child's play movies. He did return of and dad. I can't think of the kid's name. Kid. He's like a 60 year old guy, but, um, but regardless, all, all these guys, um, you know, I think the style and the coolness of all the effects drew drove fans to the movies, but it also made creators out of the fans. And then we just started getting more and more and more and more. And I think it was just, you know, people started seeing how these things were done and like how you could do these makeshift at home effects that Savini was doing, you know, like the blood condom thing. Like it's so fucking like, I mean, if you're a, you know, if you were a product of that time, which none of us were, cause none of us were born in 81, but you know, it, a lot of like those little tricks of the trade, I think were so interesting and fun to read about in Fangoria. It sparked a lot of imagination and readers fans turned into creators. And then, you know, the eighties just gave us a lot. For sure. I do think uh, accessibility, like you're saying, was one of the things, too. Like, people realizing, like, I could make a really cool movie with, and I can use, like, whatever settings I have around me to, you don't need, like, a big budget. You know what I mean? So, I, I do think it was that, a part of accessibility and the success of some other f- films. And, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously glad it happened because some of my favorite uh, films all time are, are the, you know, the classic slasher, so. Tony, um, you know, I would, I would love to revisit, uh, do another pod of just like, just a slasher pod where we talk about some other, maybe some of our other favorites, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tony Gardner was his name. Andy Gardner was a kid who stunk from high school. Um, <laughs> he sucked. You know, Andy, 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 if you're listening, how you doing, man? <laughs> um, you know, I guess to as, as we start winding down, like, where do the, I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but where do you guys see the legacy of the burning? I think it, I think it stands as probably next to my bloody Valentine as one of the best slashers without a sequel, one of the best slashers in general, and kind of just a, a cool little flick um, that we got as a slasher movie um, in the early eighties that kind of with Savini's effects, you know, it, it ended up, uh, it ended up influencing a lot of stuff. Uh, I think I see this movie referenced, especially by creators, um, it's just like a fun movie and, and something that they definitely took from. And, uh, you know, where do you guys think it sits? Like, you know, all this fucking 41 years later. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think, like you said, it's like one of the tops, especially because of how early along it is. 81 still pretty right. early. I think, 
uh, if you put like almost like tiers on stuff, you know, you got your really big franchises, which I think are people are always going to think first, but I think that's right under that surface. You know what I mean? Like definitely once you go past the Friday, the 13th or whatever, and you kind of dig a little bit deeper. I think this is one of like the main slasher films or horror films in general that you would think about. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of my, one of my favorites and uh, holds up with the, with pretty much all of them, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely a top tier slasher, uh, like what Eric was saying. I, yeah, I love it. It's not personally like one of my favorites. There's there's ones I love more, but when I watch it, it's like it's definitely like if I look at it objectively, it's one of the best slasher movies of the eighties. Like it makes complete sense why it's so beloved and so talked about up there with my bloody valentine both of them talked about up there with like halloween and friday the 13th then yeah yeah big time and when I you, just especially with the burning it doesn't have a sequel it doesn't have a remake or anything and yet it's still like highly regarded yeah, yeah. it's definitely a great like one-off film mm-hmm. I, I went back and looked and we um we record or we did the top 10 slashers in april of 2020 that was two oh, years oh. ago wow a little more than two years ago, yep. Damn. Yeah. I was looking through a piece of trivia real quick. Yes. Oh, yeah. Did you guys know that this movie was actually filmed in Buffalo, New York? You know, I uh, knew that. I actually forgot. So yeah, I don't for... know if I knew that. I don't know if I knew Buffalo. I don't know if I knew Buffalo. <laughs> no shit. So, so the real question is, is Cropsy part of the Bills Mafia? He definitely is part of the Bills Mafia. <laughs> yeah, he's a twisted soul. That's mostly older, you know. He's old school Bills Mafia, so he's tw- you know. Oh twisted. yeah, the old the old school Bills Mafia is fucking wicked twisted. Yeah, I mean it's like uh, Buffalo '66 style. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Speaking of this is so random. Speaking of Buffalo, I saw some like weird like action comedy, like outrageous comedy movie uh, that takes place in Buffalo actually on Hulu. I don't think of what it was called, but it's about this girl who pretty much joins like the mafia. But it seemed pretty cool. Just a random thought about Buffalo. That's all. I like it. I like it also, too. Also, Buffalo '66. Everyone go watch it. Great movie. Great movie. Vincent Gallo, Christina Ricci takes yeah. place in Buffalo. Eric, uh, Eric gave got me privy to that. I watched it this year actually. Yeah, this shit was man. North Tonawanda, Buffalo, and Western New York. That's great. I wonder if like if uh. We could figure out like the exact look, like where, like what lake or whatever. That'd be cool. Or like what piece of, uh, we should, I don't know. We should call Jason Alexander, see if he still has a call sheet. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. I'm I'll sure. I'm going to ask Al Brown. I think Al Brown lives in that area. I, I would uh, be curious to know. There is a river, the Niagara River. So maybe it was right on the Niagara River. Yeah, we just got to figure out like what camp to use out there and, you know. Little Western New York love, I like it. I was negative. I was negative four. It was great. <laughs> well, all right, boys. This uh, this will wrap up a burning nice little. Before uh... we go, we got to do this more with all of us. See how much fun this is with all of us, with everyone. Well, can we? Um, can I? BT. Just, can I just ask? Yeah. Can I just get a reminder of what the other movies we're covering are? We are also covering Sleepaway Camp, Sleepaway Camp Part 2, Unhappy Campers, and then Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Space Channel. Oh, yeah. 
So we're just going, we're going full bore, dumping fucking the whole. Um, yeah, I'm in. Should we do? Here's the next question: Should we do a mega episode where we just do just... all three of them, or do we just fucking, or do we just <laughs> that'd do... be like that would take forever? It'd be like three hours. No, yeah, we covered all. We covered 13th? every Nightmare on Elm Street in three hours, or every Friday, or Friday thirteenth rather. Yeah, that's true. I'd have to watch like the third one again. Hashtag. Did, it, did anybody watch the Pearl trailer yet? I have not, but I saw you guys saw them on the group chat. Still have did not. Anybody, did anybody it. like X? Did anybody like X or not? I loved X, and you know it. Well, then I watch the it. Pearl trailer. It looks cool. How about has everyone seen Nope? I nope. have not. Saw it, loved it. I think saw I might it, be, loved it. Jordan Peele's best film so far. I think I might be seeing it this weekend. Nice. Oh, PT, I thought you were supposed to be a fan. Me if I want to see with you, don't give me fucking advice. See how it is, Brian. <laughs> I think I was going to ask Sean after this podcast if he wants to see it this weekend. But I'm pretty sure. Didn't you already ask him to see it? So Did I? You did. Sean, you want to oh, go God. see it this weekend? I have the receipts. BT, you are toasted. You don't even remember asking Sean to go see Nope? Nope. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> Sean. Everybody watch the Pearl trailer. I'm telling you, it looks rad. What else? I just want to talk about any other cool shit that was happening, but I can't think of anything else. The Halloween so, Ends trailer? Halloween Ends trailer? I think we might have talked about that on the last pod, but obviously a little teaser. It takes place, what, they said two years later? Is that what it is? Yeah. Two years? Two years later, I guess. But if you guys notice that Michael has all of his fingers in that one shot. He got him sewed back on, bro. Yeah. yeah. Well, Michael Myers doesn't have health care? No. Obama the, state's, the state's paying for that. He was in the fucking checkered loony bin. Yeah. I have, I have a theory. Let's hear it. Michael Myers actually died when the mob beat his ass in Halloween Kills, and then someone else put on the mask and just laid there until Tommy It was Tommy showed and then he that killed them, and then he killed Karen. So what, now, is like, he a fucking magician? How the fuck would he do that if everyone's he's laid on the ground, and everyone's watching? <laughs> I don't know. Is he, he a magician? How does he have his fingers sewed back on? Abracadabra, man. Why is Jamie Lee Curtis saying that the fans are going to be mad and that it's going to be a departure? Okay, but you're right. Now that I said it out loud, that would. I wonder. I wonder if they're gonna say that Jamie Lee Curtis has just been dreaming this, and the last two movies didn't really happen. <laughs> <laughs> they're just gonna wreck on the entire franchise, or she just she wakes up on her couch in 1998 and has just been having really weird dreams ever since. They just tie it all hope, the way back in. I just hope Josh Hartnett makes an appearance. I just hope they tie it into H2O somehow. They can't. It's two different, completely different no. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. I hope they, they just really piss people you know, off. Carpenter's tried to sell those fucking 70 versions of the yeah. fucking final that's coming out. So he's just like, ah, oh, it's a departure. Carpenter probably <laughs> legitimately hates these movies, even though he's like a producer or whatever. But he's going to say anything he can. Exactly. Because A, he wants people to see it, He's going to get money. B, he needs to sell like the 25 variants that they've made for every fucking record that's going to come out. And uh, I don't know. We're gonna... all going to be seeing it, so yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I, I'm pumped for it. Fuck it. There's only been one bad Halloween movie. There's only one it's bad one. one. That's it. If I even, I don't even need to fucking say it. Say it. Halloween fucking five? Resurrection. Oh. oh hell yeah, that one sucks. I thought that's the five. only. I thought Five is the bad one. I like Five, but that's just me. And Thanks, BT, BT, BT loves it. I know. 
I just it has Tina. No other Halloween movie has Tina in it. I think Halloween. There's only one bad Halloween movie, and that is Resurrection. That's it. But Resurrection, you know, Resurrection is it really that bad? Yeah. Yes. It's entertaining. It's dangerous. Is it watchable? Is it? Yeah. It's at least watchable. There's no unwatchable Halloween. I literally think I've only seen Resurrection twice. I don't think I've watched it more than twice. I don't think I've ever seen it more than twice. It's it is bad. Yeah. Anyway, we don't have to turn this into a big thing, but it's fun to bullshit. Is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. We can do a horror news episode here soon. Lori, Lori's got a nice haircut in the, in the trailer too. Nice bob. Whoa. All right, boys. You can find anybody that is still sticking around. You can find us on <laughs> Instagram or Twitter at Art God Media, and we're on Spotify and. Apple Music or whatever the fuck, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think we're on some other ones too, so you can figure it out. We got a link in the fucking bio at Hard Guy Media on Instagram and Twitter. Check us we out. Host you. site is Anchor. Um, yeah, it's all free and shit. Um, so and if you are still listening, we love you very much. So, love you, know. you. Much appreciated. Uh, check out the last episode as well, where Eric and I did our top ten Metallica songs and ranked the albums. That was a fun one, was it not? That was a great time. That was long overdue, that one. That was a cool one. For sure. Well, boys, until next time, uh, let's conclude it.